Good. All right. Well, hey, I'm excited because I'm not preaching. Are you excited that, that I'm not, not, that I'm not preaching? Oh, I love y'all. Y'all are just so kind. But y'all are lying. Y'all are going to hell. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm just kidding. We have a guest preacher today continuing our random Christmas series. And this series has pretty much all been about how, honestly, when we look at the Christmas story, we have prettied it up. There was a lot of randomness going on there, right? But, but through the Christmas story, we see how the random story, how God came to earth many times is exactly like the random story of our lives. And so last week we talked about Joseph, and this week we're talking about who? Mary. I'm not a female. So I was like, you know, probably good to have a female come in and talk to you from her perspective because I don't know what it's like to be a girl. So I was like, probably be better to, to get someone in and kind of talk from that. And we have Angie Schoonmaker with us. And, and her and her husband are pastors in Williamsburg, Virginia at Life Church. She, she is an incredible preacher. She preached for, for me when I was a youth pastor. And she has a passion to share God's word. And I know today you are going to be extremely extremely blessed. So, so, so if you, you would join me in welcoming Angie Schoonmaker as she comes up and continues our random Christmas series. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor John. Good morning, everyone. Before I do anything, I want to give a big shout out to my baby brother who's here. This is his first time at y'all's church. Apparently he lives right up the road. So you guys give him a hard time about that. Yeah. His name's David Santiago, and it was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Y'all go find him. Big hair. He looks kind of like me-ish. Okay, there he is. Um, well, good morning, everybody. If this is your first time here, can I just tell you, you've, ha- you've found an excellent place. This is a wonderful church. You know, I, if I can just speak to Pastors John and Kristen, they're people who love God and love you all, and have a passion to see Christ's mission extended to everyone. And you could see, you can feel that from the moment you come in. You know, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God being about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And when I came in today, I can really sense joy. Like, you know, if you've ever been to a church before, sometimes they're big on righteousness, right? We should be big on everything that that God is big about, but it's like, you can maybe feel a little bit intimidated. I don't, I don't know. I'm not dressed like that. I don't sound like that. I don't speak like that. Right. Or just peace. And it's very solemn. And you're like, okay, I'm a little too loud. I'm Hispanic. So I'm definitely cannot hang in a very quiet church. Um, but really seeing all of those three things embodied here and really sensing the joy of the Lord in this place, you're in a, you're in a safe place. Um, so I just want to, I just want to say that also greetings from our church life church in Williamsburg. My husband and I are associate pastors there. However, we're not on staff. So my husband actually works at William and Mary and I work at orange theory fitness. So if you've ever heard of that place, I work there in, in Williamsburg. So if you want some pointers on squats and, um, pushups, y'all come find me. So we're going to open up to the book of Luke chapter one and I got to tell you all, I really, I'm a firm believer that the word of God speaks for itself. 
And if we can be people who understand how to rightly divide the word of truth, the Bible says, it's the word of God that's going to implant faith inside of you. Well, the Bible itself says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't come maybe by my magnificent stories or, oh, she's funny. She's cute. She's not that cute. It's not about that. It's about understanding that the word of God has the power and the authority to change our lives. So if you can turn with me to the book of Luke chapter one, we're going to go ahead and read before we jump in. I'm going to start in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Because that's not strange, right? And the power of the Most High will overshadow you a little more creepy. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, sidebar, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Jesus, that it is your word that brings life. I thank you, Jesus, that when your word goes forth, it has creative power. It has the power to heal. It has the power to bring hope. It has the power to bring revelation. And this morning, Father, I ask that your word would bring just that. Lord, that whether wherever we find ourselves this morning, Father, I ask that it would be the word of God that hits us in our right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So here we go. We got a virgin. She's probably about 13 or 14 years old. I'm not even going to go down that road right now. Right? Back in those days, they were very young. And it's interesting to me that she has a plan. She has a plan. She's going with the plan. And right in the middle of it, there is an interruption. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever had a plan or you've ever had a way that you're going. And suddenly, it doesn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. Suddenly, you thought that you were going to get a promotion, and instead, you got laid off. Suddenly, you thought that you were going to get into that college or that university, but you didn't. You're going a particular way, and in fact, you might be walking in a good way, but in fact, there's an interruption, and instead of going forward, you get set back. Now, Mary, in this position, she's betrothed, she's engaged to Joseph, I'm so thankful that God chose this time period because if he would have talked to a woman engaged today and showed up with an angel today and interrupted her plan today, she would have already done had Pinterest boards of everything that she was already going to do in her wedding. 
Oh, no, I can't conceive and bear a child. That's not going to fit with the bodice of my dress. And going A-line, and this is not going to work. You know, I did college ministry for a while at the College of William and Mary. And can I just tell you, let me just let this out. Most of them already had wedding boards, and none of them had boyfriends. I was like, oh, I'm so happy that you have your bridesmaids dresses. Oh, the dusty rose. That's a good choice. That's really in right now. The floral crown. Oh, yeah, but you know what? I don't want the eucalyptus. I'd really rather the willow, you know, because the eucalyptus can be a little bit chunky. So I was thinking if we get married in the spring, I was like, oh, so how's your boyfriend doing? Cricket. Listen, they already have things going and things planned before they even have someone. So, you know, the Lord and all of his sovereignty is like, yeah, they're going to be a little extra there. So let's, let's go now. Let's go with Nazareth. If we look into the word, let's, let's take it apart. It says in the sixth month, the angel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. You know, during this time, Nazareth was a nothing kind of location. In fact, it's believed in Bible times that it only had a population of about 400, plus or minus, just a few families, a few clans that had settled there. In fact, you'll see in the Gospels, someone says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he's going to a really nothing location, and he's interrupting a woman with a supernatural invitation. An angel appears to her. And before he says anything, all he says is, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And it says she's troubled right after he says, hello, but she was greatly troubled at this and tried to discern what kind of greeting could this be? He hadn't said anything. He hadn't said, you're going to be, have a a baby. You're going to have a son. She's just disturbed that there's a being, a supernatural being showing up in her room in the middle of nowhere, Nazareth with something to tell her. And he says, continues with news, guess what? You are going to bear the son of God. Before you're married, you're going to have a baby. So right there, he drops some news on her that says, listen, something amazing is going to come out of you, but I'm going to greatly inconvenience you in the process. I'm going to throw a wrench into your plans. I'm going to cause rumors and gossip to go throughout your little town about you on my account. I'm going to cause your fiance to be to consider divorcing you on my account. Have you ever had something maybe that God spoke to you, something that was great, something that was wonderful, and maybe that whole language is completely unfamiliar to you, and that's fine, but maybe there's a dream in your heart, and before you even get any closer, there's a great inconvenience that happens beforehand. You know, my husband and I got married when we were quite young, in fact, I was still in college because he engaged or proposed two years before we talked about it. So I got married at 20 years old. Now I look at 20 year olds and I'm like, do you brush your teeth twice a day? Cause I want to get that done first. I actually got pregnant probably seven months after we got married. So I was in my senior year pregnant, the pregnant girl on campus Walking around the College of William and Mary. Yeah, so you know what? I'd be walking like this. <laughs> down those brick pathways and then rolling my ankle in the process. I know what it feels like when people are looking at you a little bit funny. 
Now, the process of the angel speaking to her and her saying, yes, that's the easy part. The process of just God saying something to you and so you saying, okay, I get it. It's the walking out of whatever that thing is that when reality hits, when five and a half months later and it's awkward and you, your robes can't hold, can't cover that thing anymore. When you're six months pregnant and people are like, oh, did they get married already? Yeah, no. Those are the times when it's like, did God really say this? What is going on here? What is going on here? He says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And of course, her response is, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And then he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. So he says an answer to her that has never been done. It's never been done before. Oh, that makes sense to me, God. I remember when you um, overshadowed that other girl and the Holy Spirit came on her too. So I got it. It makes sense to me. Sometimes God will require something of you or say he's going to do something that doesn't make any sense because it hasn't been done previously before. But you know what? The angel follows that up with saying, but guess what? You know, your cousin Elizabeth, who couldn't have any kids, you know what I did for her? I made her who is barren be able to bear a son. And that in that moment, I believe that faith was born in the heart of Mary, hearing the testimony of someone she knew and someone she trusted, seeing, oh, if God can do that, he says, therefore, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you know, church, today, you don't have to feel like Mary. You don't have to identify with her story in particular to find faith that God can meet you in your story. God uses a completely different situation and says, look at what I did for someone you know. Look at the impossible that I did for them. If I did it for them, guess what? I can also work it on your behalf. Church, the power of your testimony is not just for you. It's for somebody else. And so maybe you went through a life or a lifestyle that you're like, man, I don't want, I don't need people to know about that. But you know what? Maybe someone needs to know about that because someone needs to hear about the impossible that God brought you through so they can believe for their impossible. Amen. Amen. Church, you can talk to me this morning. Has God ever interrupted something in your life? Have you ever had a moment that you thought you heard God? Maybe you were 17 years old, and in that moment, maybe you were at a youth camp, and in that moment, God downloaded something to you. And it seemed so clear, and it seemed so now. And 20 years later, you say, you know what? That must have just been bad pizza. That must have been an emotional moment for me when I thought, when I thought, when I had a, a picture of me reaching high schools. Maybe that's because I was 17 and now I'm awkwardly 37 and I don't see a way that I can do that. Or maybe, maybe you can identify with the stories of the Bible. 
Can I tell you, there's a scripture, Proverbs 20, 21. It says an inheritance gained prematurely will not be blessed in the end. And when God speaks something clear, it feels like right now. When you have a picture of your family being made whole, it feels like right now. When you feel like God spoke to you that, yes, you will bear a child and that child will be healthy and you will not always know the pain of miscarriage. It feels like right now. But can I tell you, if you, when you have another miscarriage and another one and another one and you say, God, why are you lying to me? It's in those moments when reality hits. That we question, God, what did I do wrong? God, why didn't you come through? Lord, I come from a family of misfits, and yet I have a passion to pursue higher education. I have a passion to be a lawyer. But Lord, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know when. I've got no money. I'm studying and I just failed that test. But Lord, I have a passion to be something that my parents never were. Listen to me. Church, when you feel like you've missed it, you are in good company. Can I tell you, church, that so often we read the Bible and we remember the stories of Jesus where in an instant he heals, where he rolls up into a city and every blind eye is opened and every dead person comes back to life. But the majority of scripture is like the stories of Abraham, where he has a supernatural encounter and the Lord says, you are going to have a son. And your descendants will be like the stars of the heavens. It's a beautiful moment in God. But guess what? Two years later, no son. Five years later, no son. Seven, no. Ten years later, no son. Is he getting any younger? No. Twelve years later, surely. Twelve is a biblical number. No son. 13, 14, 20 years, guys, before that comes to pass. 400 years of slavery. Lord, why didn't you send Moses 399 years earlier? Lord, if you're so sovereign, God, why didn't you interrupt at year 200? Lord, if you're so smart... Even Moses himself, born and raised in the house of Pharaoh as an Israelite, right? Then he kills somebody. How many years before he sent back as Moses the deliverer with the long white beard and the staff of authority? 40 years. And he rolled back in there. Gideon, the coward, called out of a wine press to go be a great deliverer for his people. But you know what? Before he went to deliver, God shaved down the army and addressed his cowardice and said, I'm going to deliver with 300 people. Listen to me, church. You are in good company with the people of the Bible that God said something, but didn't happen immediately. King David, our favorite, right? King David anointed as king is probably, probably 12 years old by Samuel goes and defeats Goliath as a little tween has a taste of what it feels like to feel fame and accolades. 
Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. He has a sense of what it's going to feel like to be great. But do you know what? Before that greatness and that promise comes to pass, he's not 30 before he comes and becomes king. 17 years of being tried to be hunted down. He knows what it is to be hungry. He nearly dies of thirst in the wilderness. Could you imagine when you're, when he's 20, um, Lord, I'm freezing. I'm in the middle of a cave. I was supposed to be king. I have no food. I have no water. My initial wife was taken from me and she's in the house of Saul. I don't have a wife. What is going on? You are not deserted and you are not alone. You are not deserted and you are not alone church. Your story doesn't have to be my story or the story of your neighbor. But can we believe and take God at his word that he makes everything beautiful in its time? Can we believe that church? You know, life in Christ is not always linear. In fact, it rarely is. And I would love to say that life always makes sense. In fact, I remember, I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell you a big one. I remember when my husband and I were were looking for a home. We couldn't afford one. But we were looking because we wanted one. And I remember we fell in love with this one home. I mean, in love with this home. It hadn't sold for probably seven years. It had been on the market for forever. And I remember I had this dream, like, maybe they'll just give it to us. (laughs) You had a dream like that? (laughs) But I remember we would pray. We would, we really felt some kind of attachment to this home. And maybe we're just, we're weird like that. And... We decided to pray and fast (laughs) about uh, whether or not we should pursue this home that we couldn't afford, of course. And it was so crazy. I remember feeling, distinctly feeling by the end of that, both of us, I feel like we should, we should put an offer in on this home. And in that moment, it felt so clear. This sounds so stupid. Don't judge me. It felt so clear. So we went, we went to go put an offer on the home. And do you know that that home got an offer and closed within the time that we were fasting, like within a week? When does that happen that you get an offer and you close within a week? So obviously the Lord, it wasn't just like a little closing. It was like slam in the face right in that moment. I was like, oh yeah, I really feel God in this. And as stupid as this sounds, I remember being really thrown for a loop because I said, if I can't hear God for that, how am I going to hear him for this? And the biggest tragedy to me was not even the loss of the home, but to me, it was feeling like I couldn't trust what I believe the Holy Spirit was saying to me in that moment. That was the bigger disillusionment. Have you ever felt like God said something to you and then you're like, you fell flat on your face and you're like, all right, well, you know, maybe he didn't say that. And I remember dealing with this between me and God in a very, I remember writing and I was like, Lord, 
I was so vexed by this that, Lord, I don't know that I know how to hear you. Who am I? How can I lead a small group? How can I do this? If I feel like I can't hear you on this, how can I hear you on anything? And I remember the Holy Spirit in that moment said, how do you know you didn't hear me? Well, God, the house sold. And then again, it was, well, how do you know you didn't hear? Mm, You know everything, the house is off the market. But I realized, and I don't know what God's going to do. Maybe someday I will own that home, and I was just off on timing. But it was because we wanted to pursue that home that my husband pursued getting a raise at his job and did all these different things. It was that thing that set something in motion that never would have been set in motion in us. It put a fire under us that got us pursuing things and stretching ourselves and challenging ourselves in ways that we probably never would have. And when we were able to buy a home, which was really soon after that, we got it immediately. And the Lord knows what it takes in each of us. In fact, my husband and I, um, for about a decade, we've had this dream kind of set on a shelf. I remember my husband, when we first got married, he said to me, um, for some reason, I feel like Paris, he doesn't talk like that. I've, I feel like the city of Paris and the nation of France, I have a, a burden for. I'm like, that's good, babe. Happy for you. I'm Hispanic, babe. I don't speak French. So if we're going to be called anywhere, can it be somewhere like, you know, where I could use that or at least learn it? And I remember fighting against that for a long time. So we put that on the shelf. And uh, a few years ago, the Lord kind of brought that back to our remembrance and put it back to the forefront. And in ways that we couldn't ignore. So my husband and I, we went on, um, on a trip there. And you're probably thinking, I want to be called to Paris. And that was the first thing I fought against was like, Lord, they don't need Americans in, in France, in Paris. I fought against that like Moses fought against God and kindled his anger. I fought and I fought and I fought. And in the moment that I went there, God awakened something in me. And I'd never been so scared, so scared, but so confident that God was speaking and drawing us toward that location than I'd ever been in my life. But it made no sense. Okay, why? Why? Lord, we have jobs. We, I, we don't feel called to plant a church there. We're figuring out all of these things. And sometimes God might put something in your heart. It doesn't make sense yet. It doesn't have any feet to it. It doesn't have any how, any line. So this is how you're going to get there. And can I tell you, we're still in the middle of that. But we went on a trip and we just by circumstance met some people who are involved with um, a refugee ministry. They are Arabic. They speak Arabic, French, and English. And I don't know if you're aware, right, but over the last couple years with the Syrian refugee crisis, a lot of refugees have flooded to Paris from Iraq, Syria, Pakistan, all these different areas. And there's a huge crisis there that very little people know about. They push them to the edges of the city. We didn't even know until we were there. And God has begun to awaken something in us that we don't know how to get there or when it will be. But can I tell you, church, I've realized along the way I don't need to know. And I believe a lot of people are waiting for a call from God. And maybe today you're saying, if an angel rolled up in my room, I'd listen too. Maybe you're saying, Angie, you're talking about this whole call thing. And you're talking about God, you know, speaking something to you. I don't know what that means. 
I've never felt called by God. I've never felt like I had some kind of promise I was hanging on to. Well, let me just tell you that more often than not, God's going to speak to you through scripture than he's going to speak to you through anything else. And when you begin to read this, you are going to find that there are things in there that you're like, that's not happening in my life. Oh, Lord, you promise that I can have peace that passes understanding. Oh, Lord, you promise that you'd be my provider, that you'd be my healer. But God, this happened and this prayer was an answer and this person wasn't healed. When you begin to wrestle with the promises in scripture, when you begin to walk through those things, God begins to bring something to life inside of you. Listen, you don't need a ray from heaven to come down and say, thus saith the Lord, O highly favored one. In two years, you shall bear a new job that pays $40 an hour rather than $4.95. That's not even minimum wage. If you're waiting for a thus saith the Lord in your life, maybe you're there like, Lord, if you just spoke to me in a way I understood, then I'd listen. Can I tell you, church, he's already done that. And when you begin, I feel like I got this picture before service of someone holding their cell phone, waiting for a call, waiting for a phone call. And they're waiting there, just waiting, waiting for a call. When really, if you just turn on the volume, slip it into your back pocket, go run your errands, go wash your dishes, go take care of your kids, you will not miss that call. But you will have wasted a lot of time sitting here waiting. That's a word for someone in this house tonight or this morning. You might be waiting for God to interrupt your life. Lord, I just need an angel Gabriel. Lord, I just need you to speak to me. I just need this lady to go a little bit more prophetic and give me a word for my life and I will answer. Lord, in the moment that you speak, I tell you, I will listen. The word for you today, my friend, is to pursue the one who calls and you will not miss your call. Pursue the one who gives the dreams and you will not miss a dream for your life. When you say yes to God in the little, you will not miss the greatest yes. We're trying so hard to be somebody. We're trying so hard to be great that you miss the fact that it was the little things. It was the town of Nazareth that he went to go find the one who would bear his son. We miss the fact that he chose a manger, that he chose a lowly state. Say yes to God in your 895. Say yes to God. Be excellent now. I know too many people waiting to be excellent when they get a better job. When their kids start to perform better, when their kids are more obedient. Can I invite the worship band to come on up for just a moment? You can just play in the background. Seeking greatness, church, will cause you to miss the great in your right now. Angie, there's nothing great happening in my life. You don't understand. My marriage is falling apart. I barely have money to make my mortgage. 
I don't understand the Bible, Angie. It's too many words. Listen, all God is asking is that in your right now and in your today, you say yes. You don't have to understand. You don't have to have it figured out. There is hope for every situation, big or small. Can I read a scripture to you from the book of Deuteronomy? At the end of the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord goes, Genesis, Exodus, okay. It talks about a series of blessings and cursings that will follow the people. If they choose you this day, right? Choose life or choose death. And in chapter 30, it talks about if they were to choose other gods, they would find themselves in a distant land, serving other countries. They would have all these things. It says in verse one, it says, when these things come upon you, all these difficulties, the blessing and the curse I've set before you, when you call them to mind among all the nations where God has driven you, when you return to the Lord, your God, you and your children and obey his voice and all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord, your God will restore to you your fortunes. He'll have mercy on you. He will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord, your God has scattered you. It says, if your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there, the Lord your God will gather you and he will take you. It continues on to talk about that. But there's, this scripture is saying, if you find yourself in the uttermost parts of the earth, distant from God, out of his ways, he says, in the moment that you look up and return, from this point, he will gather you. So church, you might find yourself in a place today of inconvenience and you're not sure, is this God or is this me and my bad decisions? In this moment, neither is relevant. If you look up to God and say, Lord, in this moment, you can have my now. In this moment, you can have my right now, Jesus. I want to leave you with three thoughts. If you feel like you have something you're hold on, holding on to and it's getting worse before it gets better, I want to ask you three things. One, have you submitted your right now to the Lord? Are you chasing your own dream? Are you chasing the one who gives the dreams? Begin to ask yourself these questions. Have you sought counsel? Get practical. Talk to some of the pastors and the leaders in your church. Seek the word of God. If you're like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to do that. Talk to someone who can help you with that. And the third thing is remember that you only have a very limited view of the picture. I recently watched a video. My husband was telling me in 1995, they released 14 wolves into Yellowstone National Park because they had become largely extinct in the park. 14 wolves. And the very first thing that happened was that all the elk and the deer started to get hunted off. When the elk and the deer started to get hunted off, they began to move to different locations of the park where they weren't as easy prey. As the deer moved off, the areas that they used to graze began to regrow with vegetation. 
Plants that hadn't been there in years and decades began to grow back because they weren't there eating them. As the plants and the vegetation began to grow, bugs began to increase. As the bugs began to increase, birds that hadn't been there in years began to return. And as these birds returned and all of the vegetation was growing, the growth in vegetation meant that erosion was less. That means that the rivers weren't as wide. They were able to keep their riverbanks, which means the rivers started to narrow in the park. And over the course of 20 years, as the rivers began to narrow, they began to see beavers who hadn't been in the park in ages return to the rivers and begin to build dams. With the making of dams, it started to change the courses of rivers in Yellowstone National Park. And after 20 years, it was the wolves that began to bring the park back to life. And maybe you're in a place that God released some wolves in your life. And all you are seeing is the deer running off. It takes time to see where God's process is. Church, would you stand with me for a moment? I want to speak to two two groups of people. This morning, if you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ... You can know that today. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, in that moment, you are saved and a new journey begins for you. And maybe you're in this place and you feel something in your heart, but you don't get it in your head. It begins in the heart. Love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. He doesn't ignore your questions. He doesn't ignore your thoughts. He doesn't ignore your doubts. But it begins in the heart. And in this moment, if you feel something in your heart, can I tell you that's the Holy Spirit? And God came, God sent Jesus so that we can all have life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a moment? If in this place you want to know what it means to really possess life, to understand the one who created you, the one who loves you, you can begin that journey today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up in the air so I can see you? I just want to pray with you this morning. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Church, would you pray with me this morning? Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me on a cross. Thank you that in my mess, you love me. Thank you that you see me and you chose me. Lord, I admit that I don't understand everything, but I believe you are who you say you are. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And teach me what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Amen. Church, if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to invite you to come talk to Pastor John or his wife. There are people here that love you, that want to help you on your journey. Secondly, if you're here and you feel a little disillusioned by life, and a little bit like you've been inconvenienced and you don't understand, but you'd like to, 
Would you slip up your hand? I just want to pray with us in this place. I believe there's a lot of us that are in that position. And maybe you can't define exactly what it is. Amen. Hands up all over the room. I just want to pray and we're going to go back into worship. Heavenly Father, you said in your word in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that you have made everything beautiful in its time. Lord, you said that you set eternity in our hearts, but no one can understand what you're doing from beginning to end. And Lord, in this moment, I ask Holy Spirit, God, that you would download hope into our hearts. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would awaken the word of God as we begin to open up the Bible. I ask God that it would begin to come to life for maybe the first time. Jesus, I thank you, God, for the example we see in Mary, that you were able to bring something completely random, a complete inconvenience and interruption to her life to work it together, Father, not just for her good, but for our good. And Lord, in these moments, Jesus, I ask God that you would begin to lift confusion, that you would begin to be the God of peace, that you would begin, Lord God, to be the God, Lord, who teaches them how to press in for your word and for your way. We thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing and everything you have yet to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we go back into worship?